0: This is a, a big one, right? Cause we so much of who you are, we've seen. Like we know it because you're in the public eye, you're we see you. But this one is kind of that falling, rebirth, all that stuff that you're gonna talk about today.
1: I hope so. I hope it's interesting. I mean, I've given you pretty much the whole history of how I came to be who I am at the moment and thinking about the future and how I'm expecting a certain amount of closure on some of the the way that I live now. And I don't think I could really talk about that without getting into uh, Toy Lords of Chinatown, which is the movie series that I've been making that's been running parallel to this entire bootleg toy operation like I started making toys bootlegs and honest around 2005 and immediately you know or tied up within that process was the whole masking and coming up with these alter egos and these other identities and then also doing the same thing with my friends yeah you know like everyone that was in my personal life or or a creative partner or got a mask and a name and a character and most of the time a figure and everything like that. And like right around that time, around two end of 2005, YouTube came out Mm -hmm. and, and that was like really the first time you could just like publish videos easily. And I was like, well, I'd be stupid not to take advantage of this. And I always felt, you know, I am doing this sort of like bizarro world star Wars and it needs a, a movie to go along with it. And I had to come up with material for that and I was naive at the time and I was working with my partners my creative partners and we were actually thinking we were going to sell a TV show mm-hmm. you know we were going to so we were just put it on YouTube just to you know just to show what we could do and then there would be like this whole like sort of secondary world that sort of related to the toys and I decided that I needed I didn't want to lead with the suck character because one that you can't act in that costume. You know, okay. the face is completely obscured. You know, it's like, you can't have that be the main character of a story because he's not relatable. And I never intended to take the mask off. So, and I was also worried like, ah, it's two star Wars. You know, it's like, I don't want it. You know, I was still concerned that if I was going to get, get a TV show, I needed, uh original characters and i was like trying to figure out like a, a name for all of this shit and some somehow i stumbled upon this old 1970s alphabet's commercial you remember that cereal mm-hmm. it was like alphabet soup except it was cereal instead of soup and they had they would you know they would do like co-branded licensing things with superheroes and they had like alphabets and the super friends and they had uh this contest it was like a design of villain contest where it was like and this is a tv commercial where it was like you buy the box of cereal and there was a on the there's a panel on the back and you'd cut it out and you would draw like a villain that you created and send it in and and you and then they would picked the winner and there was this little lizard creature who was supposed to be a you know a generic villain and he said the most original villain wins and i was like oh that's it original villains you know i'm trying to make something separate from from my appropriated star wars shit so i'm going to call this original villains and i came up with a new character called vectar the intolerable who was just like, you know, he looks a little bit like MF Doom. I've been criticized, you know, because the mask looks similar. It's like this, it's really just an Iron Man mask that I cut to look like a cockroach face, painted purple, threw a hood on it, boom. You could see his eyes, you could see his mouth, he can act, he could perform. Yeah. And like, he seemed to be a more interesting protagonist to me because the suck ward in my mind or the way i created him was too perfect, mm-hmm. you know, or he was too unknowable. And like the Vectar character is more like the entrance into that. So we started filming this show called Original Villains and it didn't really work out. I was collaborating with other people. We were never really on the same page. And then I sort of closed that down and around 2010, rebranded it with myself as the dictator and called it Toy Lords of Chinatown. And it just became this sort of parallel universe to like the actual life that I was living about this, you know, misanthropic, struggling toy maker who can't get a leg up in the industry and, and, you know, and, and his, you know, resort and is like all his worst qualities are, are being brought into there. And it just seemed to match what was going on in my life. And it became a repository to this, like, sort of slightly, slightly fictionalized, fantastical take on what I was actually doing. And I always kind of thought in my mind that somehow the conclusion of this story and the conclusion of my time in the hall are going to coincide that like when I, I cannot get out of this lifestyle that I've created for myself of just being this grimy street level, New York city, you know, cockroach dude, you know, making filthy toys in this nasty sweatshop on on, on canal street, you know, this sweatshop situation. Like I'm not going to ascend from this life until I finish this story. Mm -hmm. So it's like, I'm kind of stuck in it and it's like it has a definitive conclusion and if i don't and and like i'm just like really putting all my efforts to just sort of like finish what i have to say and tie it all up in this nice little bow and then i then that will give me the freedom to to do whatever i want afterwards and i'm currently pushing towards finishing the fifth and that's the penultimate episode i've been working on that for the last fucking seven years and then there needs to be a sixth episode after that and then somehow something will happen and that will be done and that i will look at my whole body of work of all the bootleg toys i've ever made and everything i've done during this time in my life is like a sort of complete phase and a body of work, and it's going to end. And I'm never going to make another fucking resin figure ever again. And at that point, there will be tens of thousands of little bastard children of mine floating around in the world for future generations to figure out what the fuck I did, because I'm tired of trying to explain it to people. You know, you either yeah. get it or you don't. I'll put everything in a book or a series of books, and then it's fucking over. And then whatever happens next is going to be, distinct and separate from that. And I have so many other interests and ambitions that I am only able to pursue partially because most of my time is doing what I'm calling now my day job, which is making bootleg figures. Which as far as miserable day jobs goes, it's not that bad. But this lifestyle is not sustainable. It just doesn't make enough money. It's not scalable. And it just, there's no way for it to grow. So it's it's plateaued. So from that plateau, I want to step into music and television, both reality TV and scripted stuff, science fiction, writing, um, proper artwork, like actual contemporary fine art that sells in a real art gallery for real art money and is big and this ostentatious consumer product that rich assholes can hang in their one of their many giant homes. Yeah, you know, sell it at Art Basel. Same attitude, same style, same look, but just very big. Talking to people about making sculptures in bronze and um, doing giant blister packaging, and that's all happening. And then I'm working on my music. I've been. I have a lot of music in me and i don't get to do it that's why i put those little videos out i don't have i don't have the time or the wherewithal to actually make songs and record albums i don't have the equipment i don't have the time because the fucked up thing about music or the the thing about it is that it's really difficult to do it as a side gig or as like a a part-time hustle it's like you really got to immerse yourself in it and you know if you're going to make a record if you're going to really record and write and perform and practice It's like, you really got to live it. And it's like, I can't because I'm living this fucking life now. So I do what I can on the side and I'm slowly accumulating equipment and practicing and just doing a little bit. Because I just heard someone say on Instagram, some one of these inspirational quote things is like, don't die with the music still inside of you. You know, Mm -hmm. if you have if you have it in, you've got to get out, even if it's fucking weird. And even if it's something that nobody ever wants to listen to or buy. Yeah. You're going to be very sad if you don't get it out. So that's really important to me to to, to immerse myself in that. And, the, you know, the problem with it is it's really difficult to make money off of it. And, like, I'm so sick of, like, putting pressure on my creativity to, you know, to make my money. Like, I, I haven't done anything for creatively for fun in years, or at least when it comes to art. The music, yeah, but the art, no. You know, so I don't want to do that with the music. So I have to figure out some other way to get rich. So I have time to do it properly and not have to stress about it. But it has to be done. There's like, I didn't mention this before because I didn't know where it fit in. But I was in a band for the whole time. I was doing the bootlegs almost. Or like from when I first put out Star Wars breakbeats to, to around 2013, when I moved into the current studio, I was playing bass in like a touring band uh i uh it was this band called cise which s i s e which is like spanish for it means yes i know in spanish but it was really the lead singer's initials it was this woman this young dominican and and palestinian woman named carol c and she was like a drum and bass dj on the downtown scene and i met her in the late 90s and i really had a huge crush on her and she was a singer she sang in both english and spanish great voice incredible voice and she was putting a band together Mm. and because i was trying to fuck her i was like oh i play bass if you need a bass player let me know and she brought me into the band and we and it and it started and that's where i met my friend the crystal pharaoh who is the darth egyptian darth vader guy that Mm -hmm. you see in a lot of my the peripheral psychedelic shit and I've done a couple of music projects with him, like the Star Wars Band of the Lost shit and the Russian music we put out last year. So that that met him there. And that's how we bonded, because we immediately got signed to a record deal by David Byrne, of all fucking people. He had this little record label called Lwaka and they were really into like reissuing world music, a lot of South American shit. Um, psychedelic cumbia and all this stuff like that and they signed us and they we recorded a record um and it was the record was produced by mike mancini who coincidentally was the guy that produced the song who let the dogs out
0: which is perfect
1: yeah and i mean it wasn't perfect i i i mean i didn't love the way the record sounded i mean it was this really kind of lo-fi down-tempo You know, beat heavy stuff, you know, I mean, the songs were catchy, but had like heavy drums and strange noises. It sort of sounded like a mixture of maybe Portishead and Sade, you know, and but in in and in Spanish. And it was quirky music and they the the label wanted radio hits. And so they tried to turn it into that. That's why they hired Mangini. And I didn't think it worked. You know, it's something got lost in the mix and it didn't it, it, it didn't didn't make it radio friendly either. And but I'm just the bass player. So I whatever. The thing is, I didn't really write much of the music. I just sort of played my part. And then we went on tour and we toured for fucking 13 years. The first tour ever, we followed David Byrne opening up for him on like a fucking across the whole fucking country. So here's this guy. Well, established. He's got two fucking tour buses, you know, a whole crew, whole band. He's like a whole recording studio following him around, you know, every every possible convenience he could ever need, and of course he deserves that. Meanwhile, we're following along in this little minivan, doing our own driving. We're our own roadies. It was fun, but it was fucking miserable because you know we would get to the get, the venue, he had already done his check we have to uh, set up, do the sound check uh, play, and then pack up and then drive through the night to get to the next venue. We were on the road for like a month, and we kept. And we did this for 13 fucking years. And we went all over the world. We went to Singapore, or Turkey, Guatemala, Venezuela. We would tour the West Coast twice a year. Uh, you know, we did, a, we did Puerto Rico, Dominican Republic. And it was fucking great. There's nothing better. I've done all the art there is. I've done every form of art there is. And to me, performing music is the funnest one it's the most satisfying one because you know hanging a piece of artwork on the wall is fine like painting sculpting making art is fun but you're doing it by yourself the act the creative volition and the act of creativity happens privately and then you just hang it on a wall and you just stand there and people look at it and it's just static you're on stage playing you are the art you know you are the music you are the thing and the people in the audience are there experiencing it in real time with you. And it's just, it's, it's not like anything else. And I really, really miss that. And this band dissolved for some reason. I don't know why we just got tired and people had kids and it just felt, you know, it just sort of everyone drifted apart, but, and it wasn't going to satisfy me ultimately because it wasn't my own. It wasn't my own music right. in like, and sometimes I felt like a weirdo up there playing, like, why am I playing this like bass to this, like, up-tempo flamenco song with this like beautiful songstress singing in Spanish I don't even know what the fuck she's saying like this in in a way this doesn't this isn't my this isn't me you know I want to do supervillain music but anyway so that that's that's that and now and now I'm finding myself just like putting all my efforts to trying to fucking wrap up this fucking process and do all the other things and then the other thing on the table, which I've been working on, and I feel very called towards is um, porno. You know, I've been, if anybody knows me, has been, you know, that I'm a highly sexualized person, and you know the backstory about my mom's tit clamp business, and just how I grew up in New York in the 70s and 80s, going to the porn theaters, and i just like completely consumed by the porn culture all my life, it's just been adjacent and just calls to me for a number of reasons. And now, because of things like OnlyFans and other websites like Make Love Not Porn, which I'm really interested in, which you could talk about. Uh, and like all, there's like a whole art porn scene here in New York that's embraced me. And it's just something I really want to explore. There is a potential to make money off of it. And I also just feel like for my own self healing, I feel like there's like a whole wellness aspect. We interrupted this broadcast of Toys on Top to bring you
0: this. Meanwhile, in a galaxy of wood-like treasures. DOV2, we have agent failure! We must crash land on DKE Toy Planet! Oh my! We're doomed! Wait! Salvation! Hooray! We're saved, DOV2. Limited edition custom artist made action figures and DKE Toys. Check out www.dkatoys.com for a full catalog. Wow. The way for custom action figures. DKE.
1: To, to, to sex and sexual exploration and putting it out in public, you know, and not just trying to crank out mainstream porn for the porn machine. I'm never going to yeah. do that. But like, I can come up with my own little quirky take on it. And like, I think I can easily do whatever I did for the toy business. I could also do for the porn business. Nice. And so those are the two things I'm really interested in. I want to go back on TV. I want to get a reality show. My fantasy show is like the Anthony Bourdain of toys, like yeah. a travel show where going around the world and interfacing and interacting with other like minded individuals, which there are many, and I got connections all over the world fucking Africa, Iran, South America, Asia, all people that are like dabbling in this world that I could, that would welcome me into their spaces and let me access their pop culture. So instead of going to these places and eating food with people, we'd be like buying toys and making toys and creating art and doing, you know, doing, doing Star Wars shit. And that would be a fantasy come true. Getting the porn shit slotted, getting the stuff in the art galleries, making records and performing music, and then are the things I'm going to focus on. And then in the background, I'm also writing a science fiction book or a series of books that is designed to be a TV show. My ultimate goal in life before I die is to be able to make like a Game of Thrones scale Mm -hmm. show about the secondary world that i created so it's imagine if you just took Toy Lords of chinatown and gave and and gave it an infinite budget and and i can just let my imagination run free and i can get that to get that made then i'll die happy i don't need to have kids i don't need to get married but if i can do that then i'll be satisfied and those are the goals that i have and that's why i'm putting a lot of effort into like taking care of myself
0: yeah so i have a uh couple questions that come up uh one back to the porn thing as far as being in that world do you want to do all of, like act produce edit direct all of it yeah okay and then i am interested because the life uh in in like previous episodes the life that toys have given you And the life that you, the light that seemed to develop in you, because you had them from a young age and growing up, and then producing, something happened along the way, and it seemed like that light has grown dim, and you want to pursue other things. Now, is that because something has happened, or because you've conquered that and you want to move on? Like, is there what does that look like for you?
1: Well, I mean. Yeah. I mean, mostly because I've conquered it or at least I've conquered it. And it's in this incarnation, like I never expected it to go this way Mm -hmm. when I wanted to started making bootleg figures. It was really just uh, it was a stopgap measure. You know, it's like I can't get somebody to produce my toys based on just my ideas and my little drawings. So let me just like make shit for a little while just to show people that I'm viable. and then someone will give me a, see that and give me a deal. And it never happened. And then bootleg toys became a thing unto itself Mm -hmm. and it was highly rewarding for a very long time. But, but, you know, I've been doing it for 16 years now and it hasn't changed much at all. I mean, it's changed on the periphery and I've like morphed it and pushed it into every possible direction I can think of. But, you know, I, I have run, it's run its course and also it's, When your creativity becomes your job, something happens and it changes. And I just don't want to do it anymore. I don't want to not. Toys are always going to be part of my life. I just don't want to have to hand make them out of resin and silicone molds and use and have that be my income. Like, I would be happy to finally graduate to the point where I can have a real toy company and make real shit. I have tons of ideas for things I would like to make as action figures where I could just conceptualize it and then it gets made in a factory Mm -hmm. that I would totally do. And maybe that's happening in some capacity now, maybe, or the uh, opportunities to do that exist. And some point down the line where I'm not worried so much about my income and maybe I don't have to maintain a fucking art studio And I have a little more freedom, I could maybe get some, seek out some venture capital, you know, to start uh, a different type of project, you know, because I have all the resources I need to to make, make whatever I want. It's just really about the funding and, you know, the administrative aspects of it. But I think that there are certain things that I would, that the world that should exist in the world and that um, somebody has to make them. And I see super seven i think super seven is doing amazing shit with the reaction figures i like to think that i maybe have had a bit of a hand influencing that market maybe but like just they're doing some really fun shit but they're they're leaving a lot on the table in my opinion like Mm -hmm. um like they're definitely dealing within like a sort of limited universe you know where it's like the sort of like heavy metal hip-hop a little bit of sports and like all the pop trash nostalgia that we like and there's so many other subjects in the world that i feel would make interesting action figures and deserve to be action figures and i would like to take it upon myself to make those things you know i don't think there's nearly enough queer toys in the world i don't think there's enough black toys in the world i don't think the the art history has been represented properly Uh, you know even politics and things of that nature i mean somebody's got to make a a a figure of marsha p johnson somebody's got to make a james baldwin action figure you know somebody's got to make a sunra toy You know, like all these things should exist and i would like to be able to do something like that i also kind of have an interest in like fashion fashion dolls or fashion Mm -hmm. action figures i feel like there really hasn't truly been like a good hybrid between like Bratz dolls and the Micronauts you know I do I think there's so much shit that could be done and these are things that I can't do with the tools that I have now so uh I want to do them at some point and you know and I'll get there eventually like I said I'm still in the trench I'm still I'm still like the toy lord of Chinatown and when that's finished I hope to be in a place where more options are ahead for me yeah but
0: when um you said that when your creativity or the things that you're creative about become your job something changes yeah you're creative about a lot do you fear that that's going to carry over into the next ventures that it's once it becomes your job it loses its luster
1: well yes and no but I mean I think I mean it's, it's a mixed bag because on one hand, it's it's great to get paid for something you're passionate about. And yeah. that's something you would be doing for free anyway, just because you want to. it's 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 really awesome to do that when you hit that sweet spot because for a long, long time, I was loving every minute of this. It's only after a long time when you feel like you did the fun part and maybe you're satisfied, but then you have to keep going because now you're dependent on it for money that's when it gets lame but it's like again that's like it's really just the money shit and i think that's that's a whole other deep well of 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 psychic questing that's required because i really think money and prosperity is is ultimately a a spiritual manifestation and it's like it really doesn't matter so much about like what you do in the world make money like I think money is a vibration and like Mm -hmm. success and wealth you know true wealth not material success but like wealth and just being able to be comfortable it's a vibration and it's like I come from like blue collar background you know where you know you just learn the scarcity of money and you and it becomes part of your worldview and it becomes part of your psyche and it becomes part of your own self-image and that's always something i've always struggled with you know and i think i've struggled with it just because it was so prominent in my mind and in a lot of ways it's the sort of final boss in in the challenges of my life like i thought women were going to be the the hard part and that was very very hard for me for a very very long time and i'm finally finally in my early 50s like getting getting what i want yeah after years of frustrations and struggles it was just so daunting. I was so scared and I couldn't make any. And now finally that's relaxed. And now I'm stepping into a whole other world of sex and women and love and affection, you know, as a a whole person, emotionally available person, uh, you know, that's practicing polyamory. And if that can be fixed, if that, if I can grow there, then the money part of me can also grow. You know, there's so many fears and blocks and resistances that have to be dealt with. And I think those are the things that have just sort of cemented me in this place right now where I feel stuck and I feel like oh, I have to do this. And this is the only thing I can do. And, oh, and it's never enough. And I'm always going just up to the line. Oh. You know, it's like that fever is going to break eventually. Yeah. And some evolution will happen and some breakthrough and just a series of breakthroughs where my prosperity just comes easier to me because on paper, I should be a millionaire already because I have so many fucking talents and I'm so good at everything, (laughs) you know, just to be, not to boast, but it just seems objectively observable that I have as, as many talents as any, any other successful person I could point to in the world. And I can't, so I have to conclude that it's not lack of talent or drive or ambition that's holding me back financially. It's just my fucking psychic weight. You know, just my karma that I haven't worked out yet. So, you know, I do that stuff. You know, I do a lot of shadow work, and I take I microdose uh, psilocybin once a year. I do a, every summer. I I do like a two month microdosing thing, and I go to therapy, and I do a lot of sleeping and a lot of dream work. May, maybe it all sounds corny. You know, I I, do, I believe I look at astrology. And, and I really put a lot of effort into like unspooling my psyche and my consciousness and trying to really weed out the knots and the blockages and the, and the, and and the, and the, and the misconceptions and the limiting beliefs. And there are so many of them, yeah. but, but they're there. And fortunately I am able to work them out with my toys. I'm really lucky. Like I'm not knocking any of this shit. I'm thankful that if like I'm stuck to making bootleg figures about my mental problems is my drudgery, Mm -hmm. (laughs) then I'm pretty fucking lucky. You know, If like, that's the worst thing that I have to do is like make action figures about, about myself and sell them. Then, uh, then I'm doing pretty good. Like I just started going back to doing these live auctions and like, I just made a slew of figures And it was great because I just made these figures just based on whatever I was thinking about that week. You know, Mercury Retrograde, uh, the beta test of my Pop Shop Live store. And um, I started this self-help series, you know, thinking like, why don't I like I had a I had a little bit of a romantic disappointment last week. And I got I got a little overextended emotionally in somewhere I shouldn't have. And I needed to process that and walk it back to protect my ego and, you know, not spiral out. And I was fortunate to find that I had already cultivated a lot of tools to do that. Mm -hmm. So I was like, why don't I just write these the fuck down and put that on the back of an action figure and then just sell that and, you know, and it's sold. So it was just like that's kind of um, kind of an interesting thing to do because. I'm fine I'm pretty good at being entrepreneurial even though I don't make a lot of money of it I'm very good at taking my life and commodifying it into something that people want to buy. Mm-hmm. And I think that is something I think there's a lot more potential there and I think that's why the porn could work out pretty good because you know I'm not trying to make dumb just regular ass porn I'm trying to make it as a means of like growth and self-discovery and i also think there's a lot of things that like men don't know or Mm -hmm. haven't learned and just about how their own bodies work and how women's bodies work and just like how to communicate and how to you know how to last longer in bed and like how to how to you know tantric shit and there's like and there's like a lot of stuff there that i think could be made into products that people would pay for
0: yeah um Uh, as you talked about psilocybin and, and, and trying to figure out and undo these knots and things, have you thought of taking it a step further with the possibility of like ayahuasca or DMT?
1: Yeah. I mean, yes and no. I mean, I've, I've been tripping on LSD since I was 15. I've never tried ayahuasca. I have done DMT a few times and it's amazing and I like it, but I also feel like it's a little much, Okay. you know, it's like the last time I took LSD was like two years ago, like right before the pandemic started. And I didn't have a good trip at all. Uh, it was just like, I had done so much work the way I think of it is like, I've done so much work on myself and have built myself back together after being smashed to bits that I don't want to take my head apart again like that. You know, if I take too much, if I take DMT, I become depersonalized and then I got to like, assemble myself again after that and it's like i feel like i've already looked down that abyss mm-hmm. you know or that tunnel or that whatever i've seen the infinite you know or the face of god or whatever the fuck it is you're seeing when you're on dmt i don't need to be reminded of it so intensely over and over again i feel like i get it and then like the 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 the, the, the micro dosing is great because it doesn't it just keeps that vibration going in the background like when i when I microdose. I feel the way i feel if i tripped like two days ago yeah. you know where like because for me when i would take acid the come down was always the, my favorite part you know because like you know, peek out you'd see all the visuals all the hallucinations it'd be crazy but then when you're like coming back to yourself and you can talk and you can you're but you're still in that space where your mind is expanding and you, you know you have the third eye open but you can communicate what you're experiencing to people and you know like you can have yourself composed and then by the time you get to the next day there's just this sweet spot you know where you're still high and you're still in that place where you know you're that elevated state but you're functioning and moving in the actual world you're not incapacitated laying on your back you know watching the fucking walls breathing and that's what i like about the the, the microdoses it just keeps that one little door open that that you know keeps my brain fluid and plastic enough that I can move things around in it and you know sort of this authoritarian ego self is is sort of like goes away yeah you know like because most of the time when I'm in my worldly mind there's this central processor in the middle of my brain where every thought And every impulse and every idea and every desire has to be like judged, evaluated, categories and categorized and valued and and comprehended and, you know, and approved. And like, it's annoying. It's tyrannical. And and when when I'm microdosing, that part of my brain goes away. And then just like the different other parts of my brain can talk to each other without some middleman in there, you know, having to impose some itself on it. And that's what I like about it. So, you know, I did some sex therapy last last summer that involved microdosing. I did some gross, selfish fuckboy shit. And I <laughs> hurt somebody that I cared about. And I, you know, I was disappointed to find that in my 50s, I'm, I'm still quite capable of being like a fucking stupid, you know, sex-obsessed idiot that can't keep his dick in his pants and can't say no, you know, when it's best to say no. So I, I I I signed up for this four week, uh, you know, coaching uh, program with this woman, um, and it involved microdosing. Like she would give these exercises every day, and you would have to go into the shadow space and ask yourself questions and journaling and all this stuff. And it was really quite conducive. I mean, I'm still not completely healed of my fuckboyisms, but
0: yeah.
1: I think I'm getting better. You know, I just really learned a lot about what, you know, being a man is in like 21st century America. And there's so much shit we don't learn and are not encouraged to learn. And being a white, straight, heterosexual, young, young man, you get away with so much shit and you never get held to account for things the way other people do. And the only accounting comes is when you do something hurtful to somebody and then you, and then you feel bad about that. And it's like, I don't want to be that way. You know, some people are quite content being bad people yeah. and partially envious of them. And I really, it's sometimes hard to square the sort of supervillain side of myself with this other side of myself, you know, that wants to do good. And, but, you know, it's there. I mean, really, I people still take it at face value. I tell people I'm a supervillain. And and they're like, okay, yeah, supervillain, suck lord. And like, I can't think of any any villainy I've ever done other than just like asserted myself, which, you know, in a way is 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 a sort of act of sabotage because you're not supposed to. You're not supposed to be an individual in this culture. You're supposed to be a good worker. And, you know, there isn't a lot of room. You know, you're not supposed to stand up for yourself. You're not supposed to put yourself first. You know, I always think that there's, like, different types of supervillains. And even though I have the Green Goblin tattooed here, yeah, I love I the Green Goblin for his aesthetic, but that's not really the type of supervillain I am because he's more about chaos and revenge and destruction and just, like... He doesn't really have an agenda. I'm more like Dr. Doom, you know, like a law and order type of supervillain, the type of supervillain who's like benevolent and isn't necessarily hurting, isn't a sadist and isn't hurting people for the joy of hurting people. He will hurt people if he has to, but he has a higher agenda. And he's like, basically I know better. Mm -hmm. I know better than all of you and just do what I say. And the world will be a better place. And if you're not going to do what I say voluntarily, I'm going to make you do it. And I feel like, I, I resonate more to that because I really think I have figured some things out and there are things people just did it my way. Everything would be better. Like I walk down the street sometimes and if I was like a little more evil, if I was like the Punisher, I would be walking around with a taser and I would be because I, I mean, I, I wouldn't I can't stop real crime, but it's like it's the slow level shit that pisses me off. Like I hate littering i hate when people litter and it's not because of the thing itself on the ground like okay you opened up your pack of cigarettes and you threw the cellophane on the floor on the ground instead of putting it in the trash can it's not the piece of cellophane on the ground that offends me it's the selfishness and the lack of regard for people around you you know that pisses me off and you should be tasered for that in my opinion you know it's just like i don't understand I, i hate people that just don't believe in just civic order and just like respecting your people, neighbors, respecting people next to you, respecting the environment that you have that you live in. And just like, you know, I hate the oblivious selfishness of this world. And I feel like tasing people when I see it in action. So, but I'm not gonna do that. But in my fantasy world, I would. Yeah. And you know, when when my science fiction stories come to fruition, like there'll be room in there for me to like explore the the, the, the the darker parts of myself in the characters that I create.
0: So as you move, as the 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 death and rebirth style, you are moving towards these other ventures. Um, does that, like with that, you have to lay things to rest and you have to like almost yeah. kill things. Does Funny that be- you mentioned that yeah I mean, so I want to explore what what you will be laying to rest, but also does that include suck Lord as like as a character? I'm
1: you're gonna have to watch the the the, the finale of toy Lords of Chinatown to finally get that answer because I have conceived it and written it. I'm not going to reveal it, but I think you could probably suss out what happens. Okay. I will say that whatever happened like the two main characters in toy lords of chinatown are the suck lord and vectar the intolerable and they're both played by me they're both aspects of myself and you've seen it's a trope you've seen this in all kinds of movies like fight club is a perfect example but most of the time when you see these split personality movies it's like the person's good side and their shadow side you know contending for dominance but in toy lords they're both just different aspects of my bad self. Yeah. You know, like the suck Lord is the megalomaniac and Vectar is the misanthrope. And the end, the way, whatever happens at the end of that story, both those characters are going to be permanently transformed in some way. And so I don't know if anyone is going to die per se. And also we're dealing with metaphor here. So, but something is going to be transformed or there's going to be some sort of integration or some sort of alteration where, I'm not split, at least, you know, where like there's an integration there and that I will probably continue to use the name Lord, although it does prove to have liabilities in some ways. There could be another name waiting for me in the future that I don't know about. I'm never going to go back to calling myself Morgan Phillips. You know, I just don't resonate to that name at all. And, um, and I don't know. I might have a new name. I don't know. And I might not necessarily use the silver Mandalorian helmet as my icon. You know, you see this thing up here. Yeah. Um, I might move past that. I might move past reference using star Wars as a crutch. You know, I will finally, as Jerry sauce ordered, stop the star Wars. I mean, I'm always going to be a star Wars fan and I'm the door is always open to the possibility of doing a real star Wars project. But like, as far as like leading my work and my creativity with, riffing on star wars no that 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 can't continue i mean that's what the whole impulse of original villains was is to like take this primordial soup of all the different things that i've been interested in you know all the star wars all the pop culture references all the various you know things that i've thrown into this big fucking pot that's become my become psychedelic eventually that crystallizes, you know, like the water cooks off, you know, and then suddenly there's a solid thing there that's all blended and it's not chunks. It's like this sort of new essence that's been distilled down into something different that can be deployed differently or deployed in a different way. I mean, in a lot of ways, I'm thankful that I haven't had a greater success doing what I'm doing, because if I did, I would stay here. You know, the fact that it's kind of not working is Motivates me to push. If I got comfortable here, then I then I would stagnate, and none of these other things that need to be done would keep be done. Like I've been put here, and I've been given these passions. I don't know for a reason, but they're there, and it, they have to be fulfilled. It's like it. Your life is wasted if you don't at least attempt to fulfill what's unique about you, and you know, and make it manifest. I think so. uh something's going to happen something's there's going to be some sort of it's going to be different it's going to be a different frequency and does that frequency have a new name Uh, maybe maybe not i worry sometimes suck lord is a tough Is a tough sell sometimes like i worry like you know when i'm pitching tv shows and stuff like that i worry like am i going to lose this gig because i've made porn you know that's like a consideration you know, am I are, am I gonna am I like because that that's the one thing that makes me nervous about the porn is that because I know a lot of porn actors, porn performers, sex workers, and they're kind of shut out from other aspects of civic life. You know, because like you can't be a teacher mm-hmm. if you've made porn. You can't run for office successfully. I mean, it happens sometimes, and I think these norms are changing, but there's liability there. I don't want to be like okay, hey, there's a possibility that. You know, you might get to act in an episode of Mandalorian or you might get to direct an episode of a Star Wars show somewhere down the future. You know, these things are possible. And they'll be like, oh, wait a minute. You have an OnlyFans. Forget it. You're fired. Yeah. You know, yeah. so I, I I worry about that stuff. But, you know, I just feel like in a lot of ways, that's part of my mission in, in, in doing the adult stuff is that is like. There's a lot of societal norms that have to change, and the 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 the, the 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 ascent of the evangelical Christian fascist right is extremely disturbing. And what's happening now with Roe v. Wade and all that stuff—that's all anti-sex, anti-woman shit. It's all patriarchal bullshit, yeah. and it has to be contested. Like I feel like that's ultimately where my real activism is going to lie. Like I've dabbled, you know, I went out and marched for Black Lives Matter and I've, when did, you know, activism here in Chinatown and anti, anti gentrification and anti Asian hate stuff. And like, all those things are important, but those fights are not my fights. You know, I can only just lend my voice and amplify other people's Voices, But with the, when it comes to the porn shit and the sexual liberation shit, that is my fight. And I feel like, you know, the world needs a 21st century, like Larry Flint mm. type, you know, like a woke Larry Flint, you know, to take on some of this shit. And it's like the fucking the anti-sex crusaders have really, really achieved a lot. You know, they've insinuated themselves into the banking system. And that's what, and that's why so many sex workers can't use it. You know, so many they almost shut down OnlyFans from making putting porn on there, which is their bread and butter. Not because OnlyFans had a problem with it, because like the credit card companies didn't want to process the the, tr- the process the money, process the transactions because of their fucking puritanical morality. And it's like these, and the and the pro sex lobby has no such influence and that needs to change like i'm not going to run for office but there needs to be a lobbying group you know and people running on office that are at vocal advocates for decriminalizing sex work you know you're starting to see these things happen you know john oliver did this great bit a couple months ago about about sex work and just the absurdity of our sex laws here in america Um, I just feel like these are important things that need to be addressed.
0: Yeah.
1: And we'll see how it goes.
0: You know, along those lines, it's, it's, I don't know. I don't like, it's the worst thing in the world to see that there's a lot of these churches that are rising up and like they're vocal, they're loud. They have a following and they're saying shit that is out of this world. And because they're the loudest ones, they're heard the most. And even when people speak out against them, they're like using bits and clips of their videos. And it's so like, stop it. Like you're just making it worse. And this whole, like at some point, these churches either need to be silenced, like taxed heavily, like something needs to happen because it sh- they shouldn't be involved in politics. Because I seeing- I know
1: it's it's terrible. it's fucking terrible and evil and destructive, and yeah, I don't know about how to silence them, you know, I mean, I just think the probably the better thing to do is just have a louder countervailing voice, yeah, and, you know, and I feel like that's that's the only thing I can do. It's like, but it can't go on like this, they're currently winning, mm. and it can't go on so looking over there's much work to be done
0: yeah looking over where you've come from looking over all the stuff that you've done with toys and looking over the bootlegs and um looking over the disheartening parts of the toy industry looking over where you're headed what if you had to give this whole thing a prevailing theme because what wh- it's tough because we're so much of your life. If we look over the episodes, it seems like because people told, you no, you said, fuck that, I'm going to do it anyways. And you pushed forward and you kept pushing forward. And now you're moving into other areas where this, like that could potentially be a thing and you're going to keep pushing forward because you're strong enough to do that. What's this prevailing theme that is over all of it? Would you say?
1: i would say it's something akin to just like uh self actualization okay really just like the the discovery of the inner self and the inner life and just the the, the 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 inner life becoming the outer life you know like that's when i was you know when i'm walking around in that suck lord outfit or the vectar outfit i'm not wearing a costume yeah. you know that's an avatar of of one of, of, of my, of one of my mental states, you know, like I am bringing forth something that's inside of my, my imaginary world into the real world. You know, like I'm actually that person, you know, like I'm actually, like I'm not pretending I'm something, you know, I am that. And it's like every person is given something about them that's unique and and different. Maybe. I don't know what other people's inner lives are. Some people tell me and it sounds dismal and boring, but, and it's about making that manifest about unfolding yourself. You know, like a person is like an infinite, like lotus flower, you know, that just every time unfolds and then there's more and there's more and there's more. And, you know, there's another layer and another layer and another layer inside. And I just feel like the theme or the purpose of my life has been giving myself and putting myself in a, an environment, in a space where that can happen to its maximum. Yeah. So, and I think that's the purpose of life is to find out who you are and then be that person. And it's an ongoing thing because you're infinite, but it's just like to, to live your truest, highest self in whatever that means to you. And that's your life's work. You know, that you are your project. You are your work. Your life is your artwork. You are the work. Everything else is just a byproduct of that. The things you make, the things you sell, the little bits of plastic floating around in the world. Those aren't, that's not the work. The 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 manifestation of the spirit is the work. And that's just something that fell off, Yeah. you know, while it was happening. And, you know, I think, any, anybody could do this, you know. I mean, maybe I got an extra plate of stuff, you know, to deal with. I mean, I, one of the things that's worked against me, and people have always told me, you can't do all of these things. You can't be an artist and a musician and an actor and, you know, and a writer. You can't pick one. And I couldn't, you know. I mean, I have to maybe do them one at a time, but, like, I can't just pick one. And there's, I sometimes I'm envious of people that just have this singular passion and they can pursue it to mastery and they're not distracted by any other interests and i'm jealous of people like that in a way but that's not me so i i have to contend with good or bad the possibility that i may never actually get to the end of this before i die but i can't not pursue it i can't not attempt it to do so would to be would to would be death and i'm not going to do that and i think If I leave anything behind in this world, I don't give a shit about the work itself. It is what it is. But if somebody can look to me and see an example of what's possible for a creative person to do when they follow my supervillain formula, um, then that would be an achievement, I think. You know, I think that would be an achievement. I mean, people already say that. I feel like I've already done that. I look at, like, a lot of the bootleg guys Mm-hmm. you know, that have taken to this art form. And a lot of them, for some reason, it seems to attract the broken people more so than other other parts of the toy world. And uh, I've just seen a lot of people get healed because of it. People that had addiction problems or suffer from depression or self-esteem or whatever started making bootleg figures and found themselves in it. And, get, and it gave them something to do and a purpose and a means of expression that other forms didn't offer them. Maybe that's, I don't know if that's just the nature of the material or maybe it's because of the veneer that I subscribed to it. Because I wasn't just like, hi, I'm making little resin figures, beep look <laughs> at me. I added that angst to it, that man against the world in his laboratory, you know, you know the 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 deranged madman with a vision you know in his basement conspiring to do something that nobody understands you know and and winning you know like that attitude that has been infused into this particular medium i think is attractive to people that are damaged and or incomplete in some way and it just gives them it's the freedom to do this You know, and you don't need anybody else to do it. You can really be like a one man show, one woman show, one person show, and do this. So I feel like, in a way, I've already given that. You're welcome. And, you know, if I can continue that and if I can elevate, make that even more known to the world, you know, through porn and television, TV, movies, and all that shit, that would be great. That would be fucking great. And as long as I'm getting my dick sucked and getting paid.
0: What's interesting is um, even in the short amount of time that I've been in the scene, I've seen a change in you.
1: Me? Well, we did that interview. When was that during the pandemic?
0: Yeah. And like my first interactions, I just, remember. I was a
1: dick. Sorry about
0: that. No, 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 no. I, I, you know, it becomes because you're one of the, the first names that comes up, right. When you enter the scene. My, yeah absolutely to think that you wouldn't be and even like a quick google search you can go back on like rebel scum and find your name way back 2005 2004 whatever and so to see and to hear that and to hear when people will say things like um or like oh he like he's a little rough or like, oh, he, like, this is the guy, but don't, you you might not want to interact. It's like, I'm enticed by that. Like, I, I want to go to that. Why is that? And then having our first interview and you, like, it was my, one of my favorite things that I still, it's written on a post-it note on my desk. It's like, when I said, oh, you asked the point of this podcast. And I said, oh, it's to get like more artists out there and the toys seem to grow and stuff. And you like leaned into the camera and you said, and they're going to get that from your podcast. And I like, I was like, "Uh, maybe, I hope. And then pushing for that. And then now having this, where we go through five episodes of who you are and really getting to understand who you are, the depth, seeing your soft sides, seeing the armor and the breakage in some of it and seeing how you're trying to change and like redevelop things it's been one of my favorite things because you are not the person that I remember hearing about. You are a different person that I've seen either grow or I've gotten to know or whatever, but it's been one of my favorite things.
1: I appreciate that. I mean, that's what, I don't know if the siren adds to the atmosphere. Yeah. um, I mean, I guess that's one of the things that makes it fun. Yeah. You know, it's like if, if, if this is entertainment right
0: yeah
1: like it's kind of more fun to have like that external challenge you know and then if you're willing to take it on you discover that there's something more enriched beyond it that it's just more fun that way you know it's like it's makes it there's a challenge to it and i just think i don't i don't know if that's by design or whatever but it seems it just seems to be the case with me. If you look at all of the four TV shows, the reality shows that I've been on, it's always the same thing from the fucking, even that like seven minute segment on the dating game to fucking six episodes of work of art to like even that can't get a date and even gallery girls. It's like, here's this fucking prickly asshole who I don't know what to make of. And I think it's funny as a novelty act. I'm not sure. I don't know if I like this person or not. And then something happens, and then you see that there's a person behind it. And then you see there's like really a person behind it. And it's like, to me, that's more fun than just like, I don't think I would engage people would be as engaged with me if I led with my sensitive side. Right. You know, I think having to go through the magnetic field of, of the suck ward makes it more fun. And that's how I think that's just how people are. You know, we all have this external self thing is people don't know this. They, They don't know how to play the instrument that they've been given. You know, you have a personality, you have a face, you have, you know, an ego, you know, a person, a persona, you know, and you can use that to great effect to like get around in this fucking rat maze that we live in and carrying inside of it is the good shit. And sometimes people lose the good shit because they don't protect it or they put it out. And or they don't understand how to compartmentalize themselves. And I just think that, you know, I was always this person, like even when we did that first interview, maybe I just didn't let it all out all at once, you know, and I was maybe I was in a mood. I don't remember when we did it. And I wanted to fuck with you a little bit just because (laughs) you think you needed it, to be honest with you. It's like I was I don't like, you know, it's like sometimes people are so eager to just like butter each other up. Without, and like it's sometimes you should challenge people. And it's like, when you interviewed me, I was more famous than you at the time. So mm-hmm. it's just like, what the fuck? What am I? You know, how, how are you getting me out there? You know, but now that you've taken this venture on, I mean, this has been great. I really appreciate like somebody, especially, you know, an intelligent person like yourself to consider that there's enough material here to talk to me for fucking 10 hours And let me tell everything about myself because now uh, you've this podcast has brought me up to this moment in time where the next chapter is beginning. Like literally tomorrow Mercury goes direct and like everything starts. And like I'm glad I was able to get all this on record because I could walk out of the house and get hit by a car, you know. And this is probably the most comprehensive telling of my life in the world. So thanks for doing it. You know, it's given me a lot and now it gives me an opportunity to say, okay, that's in a that's all documented now. That's in the scrolls. That's in the Akashic record. It's all been archived. And now I don't have to live it anymore. You know, now I have a clean slate to do as I will. And I can call that part of me resolved and complete. And that's why I don't need to keep taking LSD because I figured it out. I got it done. I'll take LSD in 20 years when I have like. A whole other life I need to fucking figure out because I'm pretty sure from now until whatever, I'm going to accumulate a whole bunch of other stuff that probably is going to have to be dealt with in some way. So call me in 25 years, 25 part two of this.
0: Yeah, my favorite thing is that when a book does inevitably get started about who you are and your toy journey and all that, and just you as an artist in general like this you have five episodes that kind of break down how the book should be formatted and how the book from rise to change and rise to metamorphosis needs to be broken down and that's exciting for me that you have an audiobook now on toys on tap
1: thanks for that man well i mean i'm going to be using this you know as a reference material for anyone's interested like i said once the five are up i'm gonna push it and then i'm gonna you know have that probably just link that on my link tree and just have that be part of my you know part of the research materials yeah for anybody that gives a fuck
0: Toys on Tap, the next episode, episode. it's great, it's amazing, you're going to want to listen to it. It's not right now though, you're going to have to wait till the next episode to listen to it. Oh, when's that? The next one. Cool. Toys on Tap. Toys on Tap. The next one's going to be good too, so stay tuned And, and, and listen to that. Toys on Tap. Awesome.